Dr. Kristen Oja here, entrepreneur and functional medicine expert. Welcome to Little By Podcast, where our goal is to empower you to achieve optimal health, one step and one episode at a time. Taking a functional medicine approach will cover a variety of health and wellness topics, from how to optimize performance to how to balance your hormones and everything in between. This podcast is for educational purposes only, so please be sure to consult your healthcare provider before incorporating any changes into your daily routine. Now grab your headphones and let's go for a walk as we take steps towards becoming your best self. So this is the first podcast that I've done with my husband, Cam. So we, uh, on Instagram, asked people who wanted to hear our birth story, and we got some really, really, really good feedback that people wanted to hear the birth story, gruesome details and all. Uh, So we wanted to hop on here and do a podcast about our birth story. And it's kind of unique because our daughter Emery was born in 2020 during the pandemic. So we didn't have the option to have a doula or a birth coach. And so Cameron became Mr. Doula and took his job very seriously. I did. I did for sure. Good to be on. So we kind of were deciding our birth story really starts with like, where do you give birth? And uh, for those of you that don't know my husband, he's a number six on the Enneagram. He does not like any sort of risk at all. He likes to know that if anything were to go wrong, we are in the best hands. And so I originally threw out the idea of doing a home birth. uh, Which terrified me. And he was not on board with, especially for our first child and not knowing how my body would respond to birth. So we quickly cut that out. Then we talked about the birth center, which we're so lucky in Atlanta to have an awesome place like the birth center that's midwife owned and operated. And unfortunately, you know, they didn't take our insurance at the time. And we had just, uh, we were in year two of stat being open and it just, we discussed together, uh, is it worth the extra money we'd have to pay with our insurance, not covering it? And then we ultimately circled back around and found that, you know, both of us were born at Northside Hospital and we could have a daughter at Northside Hospital and all three of us come from the little Atlanta baby factory. Which I'm pretty sentimental. So I love that idea. I love the idea of thinking like that's where you were born. That's where I was born month before you. Emery was born there. Like I I love that idea. And I love the birth center idea too. Um, Just I want to make sure that you found an OB that was going to be respectful of the choices you wanted to make and be having a natural birth, but not necessarily doing it in a, um, like a birth center setting, being able to do that in a hospital. We didn't know that if that actually existed or not. Yeah. And of course, you know, you guys all know that I'm very data driven. So I looked at all the C-section rates at Northside hospital and you know, they're, they can be pretty alarming. And we found a practice that is, it's made up of OBs and midwives. So we went to women's peach tree clinic, uh, in West Midtown and loved who we saw. We saw Dr. Uh, Johns, Dr. Parks. We saw Marissa and Hannah, the midwives and ended up having an awesome team. And I asked them about the statistic and they helped me understand more why Northside statistic is high as it it is the birth center, you know, really, or the, the baby hospital, baby factory. Uh, they do so many births. And so a lot of people travel from very far away with a lot of, uh, high risk and, uh, for the best care. And mm-hmm. so, because they have a lot more high risk, uh, clientele, higher risk of, uh, needing a C-section. And if you guys, as we get into our birth story, if you guys ended up like having a plan and it didn't go according to plan, uh, that's, you know, part of life. And at the end of the day, I always tell my patients and Cam and I knew going into this, that 
at the end of the day, it's most important that we have healthy mom and healthy baby. And so you guys, I encourage you listen to your healthcare providers, have a team you trust and, uh, do whatever you need to, to have a healthy baby and a healthy, uh, mom. Yep. I mean, my biggest thing was, I was just kind of along for the ride and wanted to make sure that, you know, everything was safe, but also most importantly, that Kristen was able to accomplish what she wanted to set out and do in half his natural birth. And so I was kind of just along for the ride and it was right at the very beginning of the pandemic. I was there in person for the first appointment and then wasn't allowed in after that for understandable reasons because of COVID. And so it was quite an experience for me because most of this went down virtually. It's, it's me dropping Kristen off at the, uh, at the doctor's office and then going over to Kroger down the street so that I can pee and have somewhere to go <laughs> while I'm sitting there waiting. And um, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of it was just listening to what Kristen's needs were and her wants and then trying to figure out how to support her in that. And uh, thankfully for technology, we could FaceTime him in for the ultrasounds mm-hmm. and that whole process. Which I love, too, because I took a lot of screenshots of myself during that time. And some of you who knew me at the time, I was actually growing a beard. So I had quite the... You guys, <laughs> the it was so gross. It was like down to like, it oh, was yeah. like down to your nipples. Oh yeah. It was huge. It was, it was an epic, like almost one year beard. I absolutely loved it. And uh, so I have a bunch of good screenshots of me seeing in Kroger parking lot over the months, uh, screenshotting different lengths of my beard as I'm smiling, looking at ultrasounds. And it was really funny. People feel very strongly about beards. Most oh, yeah, men think it's awesome and most women are so disgusted. Oh yeah. People tell you to your face whether or not they like your beard. Uh, and I had quite a few people who were not in favor and uh, quite a few big fans. I mean, I, I kid you not. I had people I was sitting in the car in East Atlanta Village and uh, just pulled out of our townhouse and somebody across the street, total stranger, goes, I love your beard. And I was like, that's the kind of support that I like. <laughs> That's fantastic. That is like a one-time done thing that we're hoping for over here. Uh, when you started <laughs> dropping food in your beard and didn't know, oh, I know that was a problem. I that, know. Was, that was gross. And I had to fluff it and everything, but yeah, <laughs> I digress. Sorry. So I forget uh, sometimes from Cameron's perspective or a male's perspective, or maybe somebody that doesn't work in healthcare. I have seen lots of births. I worked in mom and baby through school rotations. I've seen C-sections happen. I've seen vaginal births happen. And Cameron had never seen a birth and really has no clue what the whole birthing process yeah, was like. Not only never seen a birth, never like didn't, there's no video or anything like that I'd seen. Like you'd seen these things in person. I literally had not a clue. I understood overall generally what I was getting into. But until we started doing like the birthing classes, really had no idea, which were extremely helpful. Yeah. So we did birthing classes at home. We did mama's natural birth class and it was great because it really aligned like with the wanting a natural birth and understanding kind of why you want a natural birth and what some of your options look like. And I think they ended almost every session with watching a lot of home births Mm -hmm. and uh, they kind of eased you into it. They were easy on us. So the first couple of episodes they didn't, and then they kind of slowly started introducing it more and more. Uh, and I'm not squeamish at all, as you'll hear later on in our birth story, but, um, yeah, it definitely was something that I knew very little about, but also was super excited. So I wanted to learn a lot at the same time. And Cameron, after some of the births we watched, he was like, well, that didn't look so bad. And I was like, never say that to a woman that's going to go into labor, right? <laughs> it didn't look so bad. I was like, that's my it, vagina. That's <laughs> it, That looks pretty bad. It looked extremely painful for sure. Um, yes, it, it, it definitely looked bad. <laughs> I think in his mind, he thought it was going to be a bloody massacre. Yes. Um, and it's not, it wasn't as gruesome as he thought it would be. For sure. Uh, so 
basically with Emory, that's kind of like the preface of how we decided end up at Northside Hospital. We had a great birth team with OBs and midwives. Fantastic, yep. So at our last appointment before uh, Emory was born, maybe the second to last, we really had our birth plan printed and discussed like what was important uh, and what we wanted in hopefully our birth, obviously understanding that birth plans need to be fluid and they may not go according to plan. But that kind of led us up to the birth at Northside and our experience was a little bit different. I thought I would go in a natural birth uh, or natural labor. And I thought I was having all the signs for like three weeks, like the baby had dropped. We were still running. I think we ran like four miles the week before she was born. Yeah, we went to Columns Drive, ran. I, that was the part that I remember being one of the hardest parts is like the anticipation. Yeah. The waiting, not knowing how much longer it's going to be. Is it going to be in an hour? Is it going to be in a week? And I mean, like you said, we kept having all these little signs of like, oh, this is a good sign. I can see what this means mucus blood came out, all this other stuff. And it's like that I think happened maybe a week or two before we even went to the hospital. So it was, um, it was a lot of waiting, a lot of being anxious. We definitely had our go bag ready to go. I plotted out in my head 15 different ways to get to the hospital without GPS in case I lost my phone or anything like that. Like just trying to do all the right, like new dad moves and try to remember exactly, you know, the, the go bags at the front door, the keys are already inside of it. I know how to get to the hospital. I know backup routes, everything like that. And I'd been two centimeters dilated for like five weeks at this point. Yep. Which one of the big things that the birthing class taught us was it's not about the dilation. So as we kind of get into the birth story a little bit more, that was a big part that I was using too to, re to remind Kristen like, hey, even though you haven't progressed dilation wise, it doesn't mean something's not happening. That's Cameron's best line that I'll tell you guys later um, <laughs> his, his Mr. Doula moment. Uh, but we ultimately, I only actually took four weeks off of work, which was not very smart, but you guys know that we have, that's my first baby is stat wellness and Emory was my second baby. And so we were now getting like four or five days past the due date and still really not having contractions at all. And so we sat down and ultimately decided, uh, what are some of our like non-pharmaceutical induction strategies? And so we talked about balloon dilation with our OB and she said that she would be there and give her a call. So after a lot of thought, we ultimately decided to go in for an induction, uh, hoping to do at the least medicated option possible because I didn't want to do Pitocin. And we called and thought, okay, well, here we go. <laughs> and then the hospital <laughs> we, was full. Yeah, we thought it was around our schedule. So we're like, okay, we're ready. And we call and we think we're going to go in immediately. And they're like, yes, it's actually, there's no beds available currently. And as long as you're not having X, Y, and Z symptoms, like we're going to keep you at home, which was nice in a way. But again, back to the whole anticipation thing, it, we were just like, anxious. I was, I'd already taken off work. So I wasn't working and we're just sitting in the house and Kristen's on her little ball, just kind of bouncing, rocking her hips and just trying to do everything <laughs> possible. You know, we're going for a lot of walks, we're going for runs, like just trying to just make this thing kind of progress a little bit. And, um, you know, finally we thought we were at that point and we're like, okay, let's call and do this like balloon dilation thing. And we're like, yeah, that's not gonna, it's not gonna happen today. So give us a call back if any of your symptoms or anything else changes besides that, um, you know, we'll call you. So they dropped Charlie off. Oh yeah. We didn't have the dog. Oh my gosh. I forgot about that. Yeah. We didn't have that. So it felt super weird because you know, Charlie was four. So for four years we've had a dog running around the house and all of a sudden it's just silence. And we're trying to figure <laughs> out a name. We didn't remember we were sitting there trying to, oh, we, yeah. we still didn't have a name for Emory. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's the wild thing is there's so many websites you can go to now. And because of social security numbers, everybody's name's pretty much out there. So you can get anonymized data that shows like, okay, this is how many people were named this name in 2020 or 2006. Here's the popularity. Like it's actually really helpful, but it's kind of like going online, doing online shopping. All of a sudden you've got so many options out there that it's overwhelming. It's tried to hard to figure out like, 
what name do we want to go with? I mean, it's hard enough for us to figure out what we want to do for dinner most nights, must, much less name a human. And oh, that I know. Was, it's going to be on her, her resume yeah. when she's looking for jobs, Your, her email signatures. Everything. So, yeah, it was it was definitely a challenge to figure out the name. But we had narrowed it down to a list of, I think, maybe four or five in the weeks leading up. So we had an idea. But, yes, going to the hospital, we definitely didn't have a name picked out. Yeah. Just a couple. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so finally at 11 p.m., uh, that was the 10th. The 10th at 11 p.m. It was mm-hmm. the, ni- the night before Emery was born. They called us and told us we could come into the hospital. So we went into the hospital. We were the well, only ones checking in. We had just laid down to go to bed. And then they called us. And it was like, you know, the the call we'd been, you know, kind of anxiously waiting for the previous 24, 48 hours, whatever it was. And all of a sudden, like, it's go time. Like, our, we literally just had had our hit, heads hit the pillow. And it's like, all right, we got to go. Yep. And then we got to the hospital. We were the only ones checking in. I was like, man, this is like very calm. I'm not in labor. (laughs) There's no freaking out. There's nobody here. And they got us back. The room was like huge. I remember thinking like, this is the biggest room I've ever seen. It's like Uh, the size of an apartment. Yeah. It was ginormous. And like this tiny little, you know, chair for for Cameron to sleep on a little bench and uh, a hospital bed for me to sleep on. But it was actually pretty comfortable. And the first thing they did when we got there, check dilation, still two centimeters dilated. And then we did uh, Cervidil, which was vaginal to help with softening the cervix before the next morning we were going to do the balloon dilation if it didn't kickstart anything. So we did Cervidil and basically went to sleep. Yeah, went went to sleep. Um, And I didn't tell you this part of the story until after we left the hospital. But about 3 a.m. that night, I'm sleeping on my little chair couch bed thing, which wasn't as bad as I thought, actually. Um, I'm relatively tall, so I didn't really fit on it, but it was it was decently oh, comfortable. Oh, is this the COVID test? No, no. Oh. This is when at 3 o'clock in the morning, um, it's relatively quiet. We hadn't really seen anybody else when we had checked in or anything. I just hear a blood-curling scream from outside the door, and it just gave me chills all over. And I'm just thinking, like, what did we – what are we getting ourselves into? Is Kristen really wanted this thing naturally? Like, you know, she's definitely not trying to prove anything, but it's what she wanted to do. So it was like I always supported it 110%, was excited for it with the birthing class videos. And that was the first time, like, it started to feel pretty real. Like, okay, we're, we're going to be hitting this thing pretty soon. And, um, yeah, I tried to go back to sleep and Kristen didn't hear this part and she didn't know about this until after we left the hospital, but that was intense. That was a, a bit of a wake up call. I was sleeping like a baby. I had my cervidil in and just oh, yeah. sleeping like a baby and yeah. Cameron's like, Oh gosh. <laughs> um, yeah. So woke up the next morning and, uh, they, I was still two centimeters dilated. And so the option was to start doing the balloon dilation. And then, um, I didn't want to do Pitocin, but they wanted to give something to help with contraction. So I got like a quarter of a side attack dose and the balloon dilation that is kind of painful. They insert basically a catheter and they fill one side up with saline. I think it's about 80 cc's, 40 to 80 cc's on both sides, like an hourglass. And it's the weight, it's like a mechanical dilation. So it's the weight of the saline pushing down on your cervix, helping to dilate you. And so, um, we ended up going, they said it could stay in for 24 hours. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not leaving this thing in for 24 hours. I'm an impatient person. I'm now like at three weeks of maternity leave and, uh, we're now ready to go. Like this baby is taking too long to come out. But, uh, basically as soon as the balloon went and I started having contractions almost mm-hmm. immediately. And then what is it? Two hours later? I think, yeah, it was like an hour and a half, maybe two hours tops. An hour and a half, two hours later, I was like, oh my gosh, Cameron, I have to go poop. And Cameron's like, okay, go to the bathroom. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I went into do, I thought I needed to have a bowel movement, but I didn't. I basically like pushed the balloon out my body. I was like far enough dilated. So I was now over four centimeters dilated, pushed the balloon out. And yeah, I, I heard the, uh, the ploop sound and, uh, didn't think much of it. And then I heard a, a Cameron and I was like, what? And so I kind of go over and open the door and she's like, I don't know if this was supposed to happen. And it had already come out. So we were shocked, um, how quickly it happened. So I think we hit like the little emergency button or the, the call a nurse kind of button. We're like, Hey, this thing just came out. Like, yeah, I'm not like, sure if it was like, save this. She it, was like, no, please throw it away. <laughs> came over and looked at it. We're like, do you need to save this? We're like, no, it's no, please don't save that. And you know, from that moment on, we didn't have to do anything else. Like I was in full fledged labor. Um, the contractions were happening at the time, really manageable, but intense. And so I was telling Cameron, you know, if you want to go get food, go get food. Cause it was the Falcons was playing. We had the Falcons game on in the room. Falcons had a one o'clock game. Yeah. So up until then, like, I think the contractions for you were relatively minor, um, but you were hooked up to all the little nodes and everything. And so we're able to kind of watch them and kind of see what they're doing and like the intensity and things like that. And I think at that point, you're just kind of like walking around the room. You had, you had a, little, a little mobile one too with you. Yeah. So you could kind I of move around. I didn't want to always be attached. That was my biggest reason for wanting really a natural birth is I didn't want to have an epidural and be stuck in bed and have a catheter. Like I wanted to be able to walk and move and feel and know when things were progressing. And that was, you know, an individual choice for me. And, uh, I was so thankful that they had, you know, the, the mobile telemetry basically to watch the baby's heartbeat, my heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I really joke cause you know, probably starting at about three, three o'clock, is about when it started getting a lot more intense. And as I think about three o'clock on, I really joke with Cameron and think that he had a harder job because not true. I I do think it's true. (laughs) I don't know if you guys have ever watched anybody or maybe it's just me as a caregiver that's in extreme pain, but it's hard to watch somebody you love in extreme pain. And it was, I mean, I probably had two to three hours of the contractions being on top of each other with like very, very little break. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm, I was shaking. Do you remember mm-hmm. like shaking oh, yeah. and my eyes rolling back in my head and like shaking a lot. And then the, the tough part was again, back to like the anticipation thing, you, you don't really know how long this is going to go on for. And so the biggest thing that we were taught during the birthing class videos was it's about the contractions, not the dilation. So like people can go from two centimeters to eight immediately or very quickly. You can stay at two for a very long time or three centimeters. And so that was the biggest thing when Kristen's hooked up to the, to the telemetry stuff is we're just watching it and, you know, just trying to get her comfortable in different positions and and move around, balance, rubber back, you know, whatever it was that she wanted to do. And then just kind of keep track of the contractions and then the spacing apart that they were. Cause that was another thing that, um, during the birthing class videos I had learned, I'd just taken a couple notes on my phone and I'm just kind of like, there's these different rules, which honestly I've forgotten at this point, but I still haven't written down. So I'll be able to refer to them in the future. But yeah, there was, um, there wasn't much else we could do besides just kind of wait. And the, the nice thing was, is the nurses and doctors, they'd asked once early on if Kristen wanted any medication, epidural, fentanyl, anything like before that they did the balloon dilation. before they did the balloon dilation. And after Kristen said like, Hey, here's my birth plan. You know, I don't really want to do those things. They're very respectful. They never came in and asked again. Um, they always were, were ready there to make sure that everything was going okay. But really they just kind of let nature happen and just kind of gave a space. And I was, I, I do remember feeling it's kind of interesting. Like we've been in this room for a couple of hours and we don't really see people that often. So it was like, I don't know, it was relatively quiet. You get to like birth just the two of us. I mean, you're yeah. like in labor, the two of us. Um, and I think like what Cam was saying is when 
labor got really intense. We had him come in and check dilation and I was only five centimeters. And, you know, then about an hour, hour and a half went by and it got so intense. Like now I'm starting to have like bleeding. We ended up getting in the bathtub. We were trying to do different treatments. They came back in and they were like, we're going to, you know, check dilation because I started having rectal pressure. And I was like, I know this is a sign that labor soon. And they told me that we were at five centimeters again. And that was one was of tough. them. That was the toughest moment really for both of us and really where Cameron came in strong. And this is where his famous quote comes in. And he was like, Kristen, remember, dilation means nothing. Contractions are everything. And your contractions are on top of each other. Labor is progressing. The baby is coming soon. And um, was my little Mr doula and reminded me of that. And it got to a point where it was so intense. I was like, Cameron, I don't think I can do this anymore. If I'm five centimeters and the baby's not coming anytime soon, like I want pain medicine. Like I'm going to need pain medicine. And Cameron was like, let's just keep getting through the next contraction. We're going to take some deep breaths. And literally there was probably uh, 45 minutes that where there was like five seconds, if that between contractions. Yeah. They started getting really on top of each other. And I describe contractions as like Thor, you know, the superhero. He had his hand like inside my body, squeezing my uterus as hard as he could. And it was like a very intense feeling. And I understood why epidurals ex exist and why pain medicine exists. And, you know, it, it was a very, very, um, intense process. And Cameron and I looked and I was like, okay, Cameron, if it's 7 PM, this was probably what at like 5 PM. Yeah. That and sounds about right. This is around the time I stopped taking pictures. So like for the next couple of hours, I just had no idea where my phone was. I'm just there trying to help out however I can. I mean, you could just tell Kristen was, obviously in a lot of pain and I never seen her kind of like that and her eyes kind of rolling back in her head and her just kind of like kicking her legs and just not being able to get comfortable. And so it was just, it was really just trying to pass the time, keep you motivated. Um, I definitely did not have the hardest job whatsoever in any I don't know. form or fashion. Great. I'd rather be the one um, in pain than watching someone in pain. Yeah. I mean, it's maybe that's why I'm a caregiver. <laughs> there you go. It's tough to watch somebody in pain for sure. But, um, you know, I felt confident in like the birthing classes that we did and like the plan we had and the, the care that we had around us. And so it was just kind of like waiting for time to pass and just seeing the contractions are kind of getting on top of each other. And, you know, in a way it sucks because they're on top of each other. So there's like no break in between these waves, but it also means that, you know, big things are happening. So, and at, at this point, there's still not that many people. There's almost nobody in the room. No. There's just somebody who will come in randomly and check something and then and then head out, make sure we're okay, and then that's about it. Well, and most of the time you don't go from five centimeters to being in full-on labor, um, which is going to be the way our story ended up unfolding. And so our OB, she actually went home to put her son down. And she was like, well, I'll be right back because they're five centimeters. You know, I'm going to go home, put my son down, be back, and be able to uh, birth this baby. And... Uh, Thankfully, you know, of course we had a midwife and an OB that were working with us. And so she was home putting her son down and I was about to give up. I wanted pain medicine. We were going to go till 7 PM. And then I was like, I want fentanyl patch I, or a fentanyl push into my IV. I don't care what it is. Like this is getting so painful. And, um, Cameron, he, he was again, had his famous little quote. He said all the right things. He was helping me like breathe through, which doesn't really help, uh, for me, at least I know some people maybe guided meditations and breath work. And, but for me, it's just, I listened to music and I just needed to like get through it. Um, but I think to me, the cool, coolest thing besides Cameron's, uh, famous quote and kind of being my Mr. Doula was 
I was five centimeters dilated. I was apparently nowhere near giving birth to this baby. I think I'm about to die and this baby's about to fall out. But I, their special nurse came in. Do you remember her? Oh, yeah. And um, I reached over and I like grabbed her arm and my eyes were big. And I was like, I just don't think I can do this anymore. And it was more like you yelled that. But okay. yeah, it wasn't quite as calm, but yes. <laughs> so I yelled, I couldn't do this anymore. And um, and I have a really high pain tolerance. You guys. I've burned, I've burned my hand and not even known. Um, so I don't, I'm hoping, I don't know if you guys know, we're pregnant with our second child right now. And so I'm hoping this next labor, I don't have to get induced of any, of any sort to see how it compares uh, the contractions and labor. But uh, she immediately, and I don't, she looked at Cameron and I don't really know exactly what she said, but she basically didn't check my dilation. So according to her, I'm still five centimeters dilated. Not that much time has gone by. And she called in the whole birth team. It was the coolest experience. She just knew she had done this so many times that she just knew again, she didn't check for dilation or anything like that. She just walks out of the room. I don't remember if she said anything to me or not, but she leaves and maybe two, three minutes later, she comes back and then there's like two or three other people with her that I had never seen before. And then I see them flip on like the little, the heat lamp thing in the side of the room and, uh, see him started just like gown up and grab all sorts of stuff. And I don't even know if Kristen really knows what's going on at that point because you know, her eyes are probably closed and she's just in so much pain, but I like kind of wanted to whisper to her like, Hey, like something big is kind of happening. Like, I think we're kind of close. I don't want to give that false sense of hope, but it's like, this feels like we're pretty close. Like they just called in the army and everybody's here. Now there's like, at this point, I don't know, I'd say 10 or 12 people who have flooded into the room. It was also during shift change. Cause this is like, like 6 30 6 45 or so and so the shift that had been with us all night encouraging us and saying like hey you're one of the only people here doing a natural birth like we're super excited for you but you know we want to see how this thing kind of turns out they wanted to see what was going on the new shift people knew that she was giving natural birth so they wanted to come in and see so yeah there's about 10 or 12 people that kind of started to pile into the room and lights are flicking on and the blankets were getting pulled out and yeah and, um, all of a sudden, like before they've even checked dilation, my body, it's a, it's really amazing that your body knows what to do, but my body literally started trying to push the baby out. And so I just start like screaming and like pushing this baby out. And the midwife is like, okay, hold on, hold on. Cause they still hadn't checked dilation. And she's like, okay, Kristen, you feel like this because you're nine and a half centimeters dilated. You just have like barely any more to go. And I couldn't help. She was like, just give yourself a second. Don't push. And you physically cannot help that. I think it, they wanted to break your water too, right? Oh yeah. My water never broke, which is part of the funny part of the story. So yeah. So I am like trying not to push. She like breaks my water, but the baby was already so far down in my birth canal. Like her head was right there. I could see it. And all the water, like all my water and amniotic fluid was behind her. Which we didn't know that at the time. So yeah. So when they like drained my water, not all of my amniotic fluid came out, which is part of the funny part of the story. So, um, I'm like pushing and trying to get the baby out. Hannah, the midwife was awesome. You know, she's trying, we did perineal massage, everything to prep for labor, which is something my sister, Caitlin, who's a pelvic floor physical therapist at stat, like taught us to do to help prevent tearing and prepare for labor. And, you know, Hannah's like pulling my skin and all this stuff. And they knew I didn't, yeah, yeah, they knew I didn't want an episiotomy five or so minutes, 10 minutes, maybe. And I, you can see the baby's head. They're like, look, the baby's head, which you think is going to be like cute and exciting. It was disgusting. It's like scrunched up. There's like white 
coating on it. It looks like a brain covered in cheese. It did look like, like yeah, it definitely looked like a brain. I didn't know how much you could see at that point, but I was standing obviously I'm right flexible. there. I was in like a seat yeah. spine. So I've I've got my I'm I've got I'm like part of the birth team. So I've got a uh, hold on Kristen's <laughs> right leg. The nurse across me has a hold on the other leg, and we're just like tag teaming this thing, trying to figure out like how much more she can push. And I mean, Kristen pushed with all of her might as much as she could line up with the contractions would push everything and just Emery did not budge. And she just was, was just kind of stuck there. So Hannah was like, I really think we need to do an episiotomy. Your skin's just very tight. We can do like just a small episiotomy. And they were so nice. Everybody there was like, well, Kristen in her birth plan doesn't want an episiotomy. And then Hannah's like, do you want to do two more big pushes? And if we can't, if we can't make progress, we've got to do an episiotomy. So we did two more pushes. They do a tiny episiotomy. And then she's like, okay, Kristen, give me one more big push. And this is the like funniest part to me, we found out that all my water was still behind her. Just pressurized behind her. (laughs) She came out. Emery shot out like a fire hydrant. I don't know if you guys have seen The Shining, the movie from, what is it, the 80s? Um, There's a scene in there where there is a bunch of blood that flows down an elevator. And that is exactly what it it was just a wall of just fluid and blood just come shooting out everywhere. I mean, they they had laid down tarps, which is not the right medical term. Under Kristen's, like they were expecting this, but I mean, it went all over. And Hannah had a face mask on, gloves oh, yeah. like she up to her past her elbows, like yeah. a whole gown. And like, I mean, she was soaked. She had to catch Emery like a football. It was wild. And Cameron is standing right there. And literally, like my amniotic fluid shot all over him. It was all over his shorts, oh, yeah, his legs. Shorts is <laughs> everywhere, which at the time I didn't even realize. So I spent, as soon as she came out and I saw her, you know, she cried, Emery did. Um, I think I cried for like a solid 10 or 15 seconds, just turned around and just bawled. Like the biggest sense of relief that I think I've ever had in my entire life that like, she's here, she's okay. Mom's okay. Everyone's here and everyone's fine. And then like turned back to focus on Kristen. So I didn't even realize at the time, like I was literally covered in stuff like shoes, shorts, <laughs> shirt, everything. He was literally like right behind you for, guys, like holding my for leg. Hours. Like, I was like that until everybody had left the room later. And then I was like, Hey, can I get no, like, no, a you put like one finger. You're like, do you have like an alcohol square? <laughs> like, like, I think you need, swab? I think I was like, I think you need a little more of that. It's starting to smell. But, um, they're so good at Northside too. They really encourage, which we wanted a delayed cord, cl- uh, cord cutting. Mm-hmm. And so they were really open to that. We ended up, uh, Cameron and I are both carriers for hemochromatosis. So I took that into account. I actually did didn't want Emory to get too much blood in case she was really affected by our um, iron breaking down abilities. So, but we waited three minutes and then cut the uh, cord and Cameron got to do that. And then they're really big. They it's, it's mainstream for them at Northside. They all want the golden hour, which is something that's really, really important in functional medicine. And for us is to have baby against, you know, a bare chest for at least an hour, if not as long as possible. So they didn't bathe her. They didn't measure her. They had her they do a little breast crawl, which was absolutely amazing. I mean, Emery had been on this earth for 30 seconds and was already starting to crawl her way up. Yeah. Person. She did the breast crawl, which is like the most remarkable newborn little incredible, yeah. uh, reflux and just immediately just started nursing. And it was just such a great experience. And she did everything she was supposed to do. And they waited. Um, unfortunately, I had two tears. And so they we did some stitching and all of it that. Took a while. It took about an hour. I mean, it was, it was a while. Yeah. So, and you know, things like that for us, it was like really good to have this great healthcare team. And mm-hmm. I, I was happy, you know, at that moment to have all the support that I needed and not 
be in a place where I needed to get stitched up at home or something like that. So for us, it was a really, we were in the right place and our, the birth was a great experience and they were just so respectful of all of our wishes. And, um, Cameron was a great birth coach. And then literally like a few minutes later, we're like getting after I'm like done getting stitched up. It was adorable. Remember when they went to go, cause I, I didn't want to do a bath for Emory. I wanted to keep all of, I didn't want to strip her skin of anything. And so we weren't going to bathe her, but as I was holding her, her hair looked so gross. <laughs> I was like, can I change my mind and just watch her hair? Like just wash her hair, mm-hmm. leave the rest of her body. And so it was so cute. Both Cameron and I went in there to watch as they washed her hair in the sink. Mm-hmm. There was the sweetest pediatric, uh, pediatric nurse there. And they just like soap scrub yeah. her head and the stick it under the water and Emory just like closed her eyes and just like the nurse said they all it. do this they said they all had the exact same reaction they all loved it they all it love so it because cool. they just came out of water and they get to feel the water mm. on their head and it that was nurse so was fantastic sweet. too i mean she kind of sat in, or stood in the corner of the room for i don't know the hour or so of stitching up and then and just waited basically and let let the golden hour happen was very patient, stayed in the room the entire time, didn't leave and come back and check in or anything like that, just waited. Like, she was awesome. She ended up being, it was just the, the four of us, I guess, you, me, Emery, and the nurse in, in the room at the time. She ended up being the last person that left the room. And yeah. she was just so just helpful and sweet, just like the whole birth team. And everybody was great. Yeah, it was wonderful. And then uh, right after that, we got in our... Uh, I got in the wheelchair. I wanted to mm-hmm. walk, but they wouldn't let me walk. To, to I, the, asked, I asked for the, the wet nap and yeah, uh, yeah we looked around the room fluid. and we're like, man, we are so glad we are not responsible for cleaning this room up. Yeah. Like, or staying that night or staying in, that in that room. Yeah. So I didn't realize that as soon as like, once everything kind of calmed down, this is probably nine something at night, about two hours after she's born. Finally, it's just like the four of us in the room. And um, the nurse is like, okay, you ready to go? And it's like, oh, we're switching rooms. So then we went, I think, up a floor or two or something like that and went to our room that we're going to be staying the night, which was then at that point, I had realized I'd totally been shunning all of our friends and family and I had no idea where my phone was. And I look back over it and I have so many calls and so many texts from people asking like, what's the latest? How's this going? I was like, I am so sorry, everybody. I literally, for the last four hours, just have not had an idea where my phone is. And I forgot one of the funniest other parts of our labor. As soon as Emery was born and they set her on my chest, Cameron looks over and he goes, that is my baby. Oh, yeah. I he saw was like a b- barbaric uh, yeah. caveman. Because, you know, I don't know if you've heard the caveman theory is that especially your first born girls look just like the dad um which seems like pretty i think there's like one or two cases we found that to not be the case but it seems like overall that's it's pretty accurate and it's apparently the most the first year of life and then they can kind of get their own looks but um it apparently goes back to how men didn't want to claim babies back in caveman times and especially girls you know everybody wanted the boys and so the girls they're like that is your child that's not anybody else's child in this caveman village Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so i really felt like he was like banging his hand against my his chest as he was like that is my baby um, yeah and at that point too uh, kristen didn't had always um been a fan of emory there was another name that i liked one of the other names we liked too was hollis and uh that one got scratched off as soon as we got to the hospital because if anybody knows when you turn on north side or to go into north side hospital for labor and delivery you turn into hollis cobb drive we're like well that looks like we just named the baby as we came into the hospital. So Hollis is now off the list. So we had it down to like two names. And so I said, you know, did the barbaric, this is my baby kind of thing. And then also I think said at that time, like this looks like an Emory. And it's perfect for her. And that means home strength, uh, which I love. love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Love the name and the meeting. So that's kind of a little bit about our birth story. And, um, if there's anybody, is there any like tips or tricks that you would recommend from a guy's perspective as, as they think about maybe 
their own birth story if they're about to have a kid? I, I would say the biggest thing is just going in prepared, especially if your wife wants to do a natural um, delivery, like you, you play a role, a pretty big role in that, especially if you're not going to have a doula or you can't do it because of COVID restrictions or anything like that. Um, it's a pretty big responsibility. And I think the birth classes helped me to feel prepared kind of going into that. And again, it, I took the notes on my phone, not a ton. It's like maybe a couple paragraphs worth of little tips and tricks. <laughs> he always, he's taking notes on everything. I, I love to write stuff down. He loves notes. But it was great. You know, I'm over there like looking up the, whatever the nine, nine, two rule or whatever. I can't even remember what they were now, but that's my biggest piece of advice, especially for guys is, you know, to be supportive of your wife's wishes, but most importantly, like be that team member for them too because it's an experience and multiple doctors and the OBs and nurses, at the hospital told us like you, it, if you're going to do a natural birth, you need that team aspect, whether it's your partner, friend, doula, whoever it is, like you, you need that teamwork. So I think that was my biggest takeaway. And that's huge because like if the birth team kept coming in and asking me if I wanted pain medicine, when I'm in excruciating pain, of course I want pain medicine. And if Cameron was going to sit there and be like, you know what? I think you're right. We should give up and we should start getting some fentanyl. I would have gotten fentanyl. Like he did play a huge role in that. And so he was very, very, um, encouraging for me and my wishes. And I love to, he was like, well, I was watching your blood pressure and your heart rate and everything was staying fine. Yep. I'm just <laughs> over there Googling things in the corner. Is this okay? Yeah. He literally is my little medical provider. I've actually had him start an IV on me before. Yep. Yeah. First one didn't go well at all. Um, the next two were fantastic. Hopefully soon he'll be a stat wellness employee. You guys may, you guys may see him up there. Um, and I would say from my perspective is, you know, be an advocate for yourself and know your options, no matter what that is. You know, maybe I've had a lot of friends that have gone into labor and the pain has been so bad. It slowed down labor for them and getting an epidural and like having some pain relief was the best thing that they did for themselves. And I've had some friends that they had, you know, really significant tears previously and their second babies needed to be a C-section and it was the right decision for them. And so I think the biggest thing is find a lot of people ask me, where should I deliver? And where you deliver is, you know, important to a degree, but what's most important is who your birth team is. And that's whether it's an OB, a midwife, a spouse, a doula, whoever it is, make sure that it's somebody you trust and that you respect and that they respect you and your wishes and be an advocate for yourself. You know, look into what are all of your options. Talk about, okay, well, if I don't want an epidural, what are my other pain medication options? Or, you know, if I'm having to get induced, like what are my options outside of Pitocin? Or if I want Pitocin, you know, it's, it's just being under understanding all of the options. I think, uh, what I find from a lot of my patients when they come in is they were like, we didn't know there was any other way. We didn't, we just like did whatever they told us to do, which of course, if it's an emergency situation, please do whatever they tell you to do. But for the most part, you know, be an advocate and ask questions and make sure that you really enjoy your birth team. Cause that's, what's most important, not where you deliver. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Agreed. So stay tuned. Maybe we'll do a second one with our, um, second birth. We'll yeah, see. there you go. But send us any questions you have. Maybe we'll do a follow-up one. I want to get Cam on here and do some other ones. Um, because for those of you guys that know, or maybe knew us before we got married and after we got married, Cam and I were both on extremes <laughs> and then now we're much more moderate, both of us. And so it's fun from his perspective to hear, you know, what was it like marrying someone as extreme as me? And what was it like for me on the other side? So I think there's a lot of couples that maybe balance each other out and become more moderate in life. For sure. So thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, remember, little by little, a little becomes a lot. 
Even the smallest changes over time can lead to total mind and body transformation. I'd love for you to stay connected with at Dr. Kristen Oja and at Stat Wellness on Instagram. And if you have any questions, be sure to reach out. I'd love to hear from you.